Welcome to our weekly recording of the service here at Bigger and Blackmount Churches. I'm Mike Fucella, I'm the minister here, and we are so glad that you could join us. It's my prayer that you will be blessed by the message this week. If you'd like to find out more about us, please do get in touch. Contact me at biggerkirk09 at gmail.com. That's biggerkirk09, all lowercase, at gmail.com. So here's the message this week. Uh, it is just so good to see so many people in church, and I expect people watching online as well. Um, this is our last nine o'clock in the morning service, so from next week on, Dorothy's delighted. You can have a lie-in, and we'll be back to 11.15 and 9.45 in Blackmount. So even Blackmount maybe won't get such a long lie-in, but it's better than nine o'clock. Um, we... Realise that restrictions have officially ended from next week, but the Church of Scotland has asked that we maintain one metre social distancing. But that should be fine because of the number of pews we've got here. We shouldn't have a problem with that. And that should only be for a few weeks. We will, however, have to continue wearing masks. Um, and we will continue with our method of, of coming in one way and going out the other. So when you leave, you go out of this door. I think those are all the intimations. Um, so let's have our call to worship. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear to me and come to me. Listen that you may live. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this invitation we have to come to you, to feast on all you have for us, to listen to you and to live. We praise you that your arms are always open wide, welcoming us to you our loving, generous Heavenly Father who longs to bless us. Thank you that you know us inside out. You know our desires and our longing. You know the motivation behind our actions. Lord, we long to be like you. Give us pure hearts and motivation, we pray. Give us that thirst for you that Isaiah speaks about. We ask you to meet with us today, Lord, through our worship and your word. Speak to our hearts, we pray. Forgive us, Lord, when we get it wrong, when we revert to having stony hearts instead of the hearts of flesh you have given us, stony hearts that don't listen to your voice. Forgive us when the desire of our hearts is to gain the approval of others rather than to obey you. Forgive us when we are proud or arrogant about the good things we've done for you. Forgive us when we look for the glory instead of giving it all to you. Create in us pure hearts, Lord, and renew a right spirit within us. And as your forgiven people, we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. When Mike was planning this sermon series and was looking at the headings in the NIV Bible, he jokingly said, the treasurer should do the sermon on giving. Uh, Neither of us really looked at the passage in detail at the time, just the heading, which is giving to the needy. Um, And so you have me leading the service today. Uh, The timing is actually quite good because it's given Mike extra time to plan well for next week and for the sermon series to come. And also to look after his back, which went yesterday. So he's hobbling around like an old man. Um, uh, But what's interesting is this passage isn't really about giving at all. Um, As with most of the passages we looked at in the Sermon on the Mount, it isn't what it might seem on the surface. We need to dig a little deeper. The whole of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus teaching his disciples about what the kingdom of God is like, both in the here and now and when it comes in all its fullness, the now and not yet of this kingdom Jesus has come to usher in. And this passage is no different. Jesus is once again addressing how we behave and the fact that how we behave comes from the state of our hearts. So Mike is now going to read our readings for us this morning. Not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Then from Matthew chapter six, verses one to eight. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to, to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. 
Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Then from verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Amen. This is God's word. Hypocrisy is an accusation that has sadly been thrown at the church through the centuries. Christians don't practice what they preach. And by being hypocritical, turn people off the church. And whilst I'm not making excuses for hypocrisy in the church, it's hardly surprising that it happens because the kingdom of God has such high standards and we all, despite our good intentions, often fail. The kind of hypocrisy I talked about earlier that parents so often get caught out over by their kids, the do as I say, not as I do, is something that every one of us is guilty of both Christians and those outside the church as well. The standards of the kingdom are so high that the verse before our passage today in chapter 5, verse 48, which is found at the end of the section on loving our enemies, actually says, so then be perfect, or there be perfect therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Chapter 6 then starts with a heading giving to the needy, and the verses that we're looking at today. But in the original, there were no chapter breaks or neat headings. This would have said, be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. And then it went straight on to say, be careful. You see, our goal is certainly to be perfect, but Jesus knows all too well that his disciples then and today fall far short of perfection. So this Sermon on the Mount is teaching us how to be more like him, how to modify our behavior to reflect hearts that are in line with his. And today's passage, that comes in the form of a warning. So this teaching on hypocrisy, I should have practiced that word, divides into three sections. Jesus is looking at three important practices of the Jewish faith, which he would have expected all his disciples to be doing, as he expects of us today. All of them are good things in themselves. Giving to the needy, or anyone in need, that's money, possessions, time, or talents. 
And that's talking about our right relationships with other people. Praying. And that's talking about our right relationship with God. And fasting. As we practice self-discipline and have a right relationship, if you will, with ourselves. So what's Jesus' issue with these things? Why does he start this by saying, be careful not to be like the hypocrites? Well, it's down to the intentions of our hearts, our motivation. Looking at the three sections where Jesus speaks of these three practices, we'll see that they all follow a similar pattern. Jesus uses vivid and deliberately humorous imagery, imagery to portray the hypocrite's way of religious ostentation as they look for the applause of others. In his gospel, John describes the Pharisees' ravenous hunger for the praise of people. And Jesus compares this with the kingdom way of those whose ravenous hunger is to please God. So firstly, in verses 2 to 4, Jesus talks about giving to the needy. This is all about our right relationships with others. And the Bible has so much to say about the importance of treating the needy and the oppressed justly and generously. If you remember, perhaps, the passage that Mike read to us from Isaiah, Isaiah berates the people of Israel because although they do all the praying and fasting and religious stuff that they're meant to do, it means nothing to him because they're still cheating and oppressing the poor. The way we treat and care for those who are worse off than ourselves is very, very important to God. So Jesus expects his followers to give generously and sacrificially from their money, their possessions, their time, and their talents. It's not an if. He says, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be seen or honored by others. This could just be a bit of tongue-in-cheek exaggeration from Jesus. He, he does teach with humor. Few people would literally blow a trumpet when giving, although this is probably where our phrase, to blow your own trumpet when you do something good, comes from. However, I discovered that, interestingly, the collection bowls for the needy in the temples were shaped a bit like horns. And if you threw your money in at a certain angle, it made a noise like a trumpet. And so if you did that, people would know how much you were giving by the length of time this trumpet-like noise went on for. Of course, you could put the money in gently and anonymously and make no noise. What Jesus is getting at here is that when the hypocrites give, they do it because, not because they really care, but because they want everyone else to see them give. And that means their hearts are not right with God. When we lived in Thailand in, in a small village, I was horrified when we would visit, visit village churches to find that it was common practice to have a notice board up with last week's giving on it, but not just a number, but a number for each person. Horrendous. Um, and it goes totally against everything we believe about privacy, about our finances, but also against this teaching of Jesus's that we shouldn't boast about what we give and shame others into giving more. But I wonder how many programs for charity concerts or charity accounts 
have you seen where it lists the donors and perhaps puts them as gold, silver or bronze, depending on the amount of money they've given? It still happens in our time, in our culture, but in a slightly different way. And it can be very tempting to let everyone know about the good deeds we're doing. And we're all guilty of that, even if we don't admit it. And we do it sometimes so that we can receive the approval or the applause of others. Jesus says, in contrast, that we should be so secretive that our left hand doesn't even know what the right hand is doing. Again, perhaps that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but I think it does go deeper. It's not so much about what the hand is doing, although, again, in Asian culture, if you give somebody to something, you give it with the right hand, and you put your arm under your elbow, your left hand under your right elbow, and it's almost a sign that the left hand isn't involved with the, what the right hand is doing. And also it shows you the left hand doesn't have a weapon in it that you're going to use as you give something. But, but there's something in that, I think. It's more about when we give with our hand, what is our heart doing? Not only should we not tell others, maybe we shouldn't be telling ourselves. Now, obviously, as good stewards of our money and our giving, we should pray and we should be intentional about what we give. And we should also be open to spontaneous giving when God prods our hearts. But once the standing order is set up or the gift has been given, we need to move on, almost forgetting it. It's that self-consciousness that self-righteousness that we need to let go of. Jesus says that the hypocrites receive the reward, their reward in full. They perhaps do receive the temporary applause or praise of others. And then their reward is complete. But it's paltry in comparison to the reward God wants to give. When we give out of pure heart, seeking only the approval of our Heavenly Father, we'll be rewarded in a deeper way. And on Tuesday night, when the Bible study group were were looking at this passage, we had a, a discussion about what that actually means. It certainly does not mean that when we give, we are earning our Father's love or approval. That's not what it's about. Rather than God's approval, our reward is almost the consummation of our practice. And what I mean by that is if we give to the needy, our reward is to see the needs fulfilled or filled. Paul quotes Jesus in Acts 20 saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I know we all know the joy of giving someone a gift that they they love. and, And as they smile, we smile. And that will be our experience if our hearts are right when we give. The second section is all about our relationship with God and focuses on prayer. Now, it was quite normal for Jews to pray standing up, and it was even quite common for them to pray in the street. So doing that in itself isn't an issue. God wants us to pray anywhere and everywhere. Jesus actually says they love to pray, but what he says is they love to pray so as to be seen. It's neither praying nor God that they love. It's the being seen. Behind their piety lurks vanity and pride. And this kind of hypocrisy is far from dead even today. 
It's possible to go to church, not in order to praise God, but because it's what we've always done and you want to be seen to be doing. But how can we be concerned with praising God if in reality we just want people to praise us? Some people have misunderstood these verses and said we shouldn't pray out loud in front of others or engage in prayer meetings or public prayer of other kinds. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying is that our desire when we pray or come to worship should be to enter into God's presence and be in right relationship with him. We don't pray in order to impress other people or make ourselves out to be particularly pious. Jesus goes on to say, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And I love this. The Greek word for that room is the word used for a storeroom where precious treasure is kept. It's a great image. It's as if Jesus is saying, when you pray, take delight in entering into God's presence and enjoying the treasure he is and has for you. That's what our hearts should desire in prayer, whether we're at home or in a public place, in church or anywhere else. That's what we desire, to enter into that treasure house of, of joy that God has for us when we're in his presence, not the approval or praise of others. Those who pray in order to impress others may get a reward temporarily, temporarily. But when we pray not to impress others, but to be in God's presence, our reward is his presence and the treasure we found there, find there. How amazing is that? The third practice that Jesus deals with is fasting. Not something we talk about very much in these days, but the Pharisees fasted twice a week. John's disciples also fasted and Jesus himself fasted, as did the early church. And his teaching assumes that his disciples will also fast both now and then. Fasting from food is what he's talking about here. But nowadays people fast from social media, from television and also from food. Fasting is often around penitence or it might be fasting with prayer. Sometimes it's a way of identifying with those who are less well off than us. Um, many of you will have been to hunger lunches where um, we eat less and give the money to a charity like Christian Aid. It's doing that in solidarity with those who have less than we do. It's good to fast, but it's not good to do it in order to be seen by others. Jesus says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Once again, we get this comical picture from Jesus of the hypocrites uh, doing something to their faces, maybe rubbing dirt or ash all over them and, and making themselves look really miserable, unkempt and hungry. The purpose of fasting is to discipline ourselves, not to gain a reputation for piety, but rather to express humility before God, dependence on him and concern for others. He goes on to say, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. 
and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, Jesus is not being prescriptive about personal hygiene here. Rather, he's saying, when you fast, spruce yourself up. Get washed and dressed as normal. Act normally so that people won't notice your fasting. It's nothing to do with anyone else. And rather than people's applause, your reward from your father will be that you will become more self-disciplined and so more like him. I have to say it is very difficult if you're fasting and you're in the Gillespie Center and Gina produces the most amazing soups and scones. (laughs) So to finish, let's go back to verse one, which some of you might have noticed I skipped over because it really summarizes the whole of our passage. Be careful not to practice your righteousness, or in some versions it says good works, in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. John Stott writes, Christian righteousness is righteousness unlimited. It must penetrate beyond our actions and words to our heart, mind, and motives and to master us even in those hidden secret places. Like most of the teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, this is not easy. Getting our hearts right as we live out the kingdom of values and practices is never going to be easy. But there is never any expectation that we'll do this in our own strength. As we submit to God and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, our hearts will slowly change. As we train our hearts to focus on God in all we do, then it will become more and more natural. But we will always have mixed motives, and it will sometimes feel like a battle. But when our desire is to be more like Christ in both our outward actions and in our hearts also, then God's promise to us that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me will be fulfilled and our hearts will be transformed. Let us pray. Lord God, we want to be more like Jesus. Lord, we long to see your kingdom values ruling in this world. We long to see an end to hypocrisy and we confess that we have been hypocrites. Lord, we ask you to transform our hearts. Give us pure hearts. Give us your love that overflows so much that we do things out of that love for others, for you and for ourselves. And that everything that we do brings glory to you. We pray in your name. Amen. Pass the offering bag round like we normally do, but folk have continued to give, and that's wonderful. And so we are going to pray to dedicate our offerings in whatever form they might be, and then move on into our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for all that you bless us with. For friends and family, for health and good medical care, for homes and security. Lord, we acknowledge that it all comes from you. 
Accept the gifts we give as tokens of our gratitude and accept our desire to serve you each day, we pray. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you promised through your Son, Jesus Christ, to hear us when we pray in faith. We pray for the church as she witnesses to your kingdom around the world today. We pray for unity in the church around the truth of God's word. We pray for the church in places where the Christian faith is ignored, forgotten, or persecuted. Especially today for brothers and sisters in Syria, Yemen, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Burma. May they know your peace, your protection, and your power. We pray for Christians working in places of power and influence who make decisions which may affect many people. For Christians in politics, the NHS, the media, advertising, and the financial markets, we pray that they may speak and act in order to be true to Christ and his kingdom values and not out of self-interest or to obtain the approval of others. We pray too that we will examine our own power over others at home or work and use it responsibly, examining our motives and offering all we do to the one who laid aside his power and took the form of a servant. We lift before you today our world. Lord, we see so much suffering it's often easier to switch off or become hardened to it. Lord, help us to remember that each one is made in your image and loved by you. So give us tenacity in praying for our brothers and sisters across the world. Today we particularly lift before you the country of Afghanistan. We pray that by some miracle the advances of the Taliban will be halted the suffering of so many innocents will end, that COVID will slow down its attack on that country and that vaccinations will be available and that help will be given to those suffering from famine as a result of drought. We pray for those who are there as relief workers that they will be able to provide the relief that is needed. We pray too for the people in Greece who've been affected by forest fires. We pray for your protection over all who are in that area and particularly for those who are fighting the fires. And we lift before you all those who are suffering as a result of COVID, both near and far. We pray for those who have no access to a vaccine and for those who are grieving, sick or suffering from long COVID. We pray too for healthcare workers who continue to be stretched, many of whom are burnt out. We pray for healing and wholeness for them. We pray for those whom we love, the special people you have given to us wherever they may be. We thank you for each of them and what they give to us. Keep us faithful to them 
as you are faithful to us. And we pray too, Lord, for those who cause us problems, those enemies that God, Jesus has told us to love. Bless them, we pray, Lord, this day. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. We pray for those for whom this day will seem long and hard, for those in hospital or ill at home, those struggling with despair or depression, those waiting for a job or important news or a friend to call. We pray particularly for those for whom this day will be their last. We remember with deep gratitude those who have left their mark on our lives by giving us love and laughter, but have now gone before us to be with Christ. We hold them in our hearts, knowing that you, Lord, hold them in yours. We pray all these things, knowing that you hear us and trusting you. Amen.